The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world. And I like to put a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. Today, I'm excited to have as my guest, John Scholl. He is known as the guru of customer service by USA Today, Time, and Entrepreneur Magazines. Today, we're going to be talking about his new book, Moving Up, a step-by-step guide to creating your success. In this book, he teaches us how to remove self-imposed limitations, see ourselves as we can be, set goals, and use visualizations and affirmations to achieve greater success. Let me tell you a little bit more about John. He's a best-selling author. He's written many books on customer service. He's an internationally recognized service strategist and president of Service Quality Institute. And for the last 31 years, he's solely focused on helping organizations drive a culture and create a customer experience through his technology built on practicality, simplicity, and common sense. John, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you very much, Olivia. My pleasure. So you are well-known and respected in the field of customer service, and yet you're now writing on about really personal development. Can you share your approach to customer service and perhaps tell us how it led to your interest in self-development? Well, in 1979, before many of the listeners were probably born, <laughs> I saw organizations spending a fortune in marketing and advertising trying to bring people to their place of business and I had an idea I said you know if you would just love the customer if you would treat him like a king or a queen they'd give you a lot of money mm-hmm. and I said why is customer service so bad this is 1979 and I said the reason is because nobody's ever been trained on the skills and the art of customer service so I decided to write a program that would teach people the skills and the art of customer service it was called Feelings. It was released in January of 1980 based on a very, very simple premise that when you have incredible customer service, people give you a lot of money and they come back. Hmm. And the rest is history. That's sure true for me. <laughs> so can you share perhaps some examples of places where you went in and consulted and, and actually ended up seeing where people were developing personally as a result of your training? 
Well, we, uh, you know, if you, if you go back over the years, you know, Federal Express, uh, we did a custom program with them. It had huge increases in sales immediately. People started to show up at the Christmas party. Uh, morale and, and employee involvement dramatically increased. Uh, Zellers in Canada was at that time the largest retailer in Canada. Now they've been bought out by, uh, by Target. And we had huge 20-30% increases in sales, all based on a simple concept of customer service. See, what I believe is you got to motivate the employee, and most employees don't feel loved, wanted, or appreciated. The frontline employee in most organizations is the least paid, least appreciated, least trained. Mm. So we, all of our businesses, everybody listening right now is in the customer service business. I don't care if you're an attorney, I don't care if you're a receptionist, I don't care if you're in sales, I don't care what your title is, everybody is in customer service. Most of us don't know it. Every company is in customer service and many of them don't know it. So uh, what we need to do is um, get organizations to understand that there are two valuable things. One is their employees, you got to develop them, build them, so that they're customer driven and number two, you got to value the customer. Wow. And if you value the customer, then they give you more money. And the most important person in every company is not the owner, not the CEO. The most important person is that little guy floating through the system. And if he or she does a really good job, then the owner looks really good. If she or he, he does a bad job, you look like a bum. So all of my programs are designed to uplift the spirit, the heart of that employee and teach them the skills and the art of customer service. So when somebody walks through the Internet... They're on the phone. Uh, <clears throat> they, they experience heaven. That's really what we're trying to accomplish. <laughs> That's so interesting because, of course, I'm thinking, well, you know, you're, you're working with people in individual development, but your real goal was to help the company increase profits by teaching people how to love others. And it sounds like as a result of that, they grew to love themselves more and each other more. That's fascinating. See, the reason I wrote the book, Moving Up, is that I'm working with companies to try to improve the performance of the workforce. And I believe that there's, you know, maybe two-thirds of the employees sit back and say, you don't understand, John. I'm a janitor. I'm a security guard. I'm a receptionist. I'm only in sales. I'm only in administrative support. And people have these self-imposed limitations that prevented them from dreaming, prevented them from accomplishing their goals. And so the purpose of moving up is to get people to believe in themselves, to want more, to want to become indispensable, to want to become uh, extraordinary. And well, if you do that, you move up. You know, it's so interesting you say that too, because in uh, 2001, I, I'm sorry, 2009, I wrote a book called Business Intelligence Success Factors. And it really spoke to what you're saying in the sense that it's even becoming more important today because companies have to be much more agile. They need to be able to change to new market conditions since we're all globalized and the technology is advancing and changing things so quickly. And so I was arguing that you need to empower employees just to be able to be more responsive to the market. Like Toyota did this really well with their small teams and developed some great cars by giving people autonomy and making them feel valued. But I never thought of it in in just a general sense and in terms of customer service. So that's really interesting. I would love to know when you go into a company to try to 
to talk about this stuff. Even just, I'd love to know if you use the word love in, in your conversations and how do leaders respond? So I'm, I'm guessing the ones that bring you in get it. But do you find sometimes that there's just resistance among the leadership teams? Well, most companies in the United States, most CEOs, most owners of companies believe they're perfect. <laughs> yeah. They believe on a, on a 1 to 10 scale on customer service or at least an 8 or probably closer to a 9. That'd be true of 95% of all companies in the United States. Wow. Now, if we were to ask all of our listeners, you know, can you identify five companies that you do business with that give you incredible, awesome customer service every time you do business with them? I'm not sure everybody could come up with five. That's true. So the obstacle I have is that the customer is upset. He thinks that customer service in this country is weak, and the owner of the company believes they're close to perfect. Yeah. We have a little bit of a problem. And then the, the other problem, and this is really when I first started, and it's still true, is that the CEO says, you know, why am I going to train Charlie and Susie? They're going to leave. Mm. Two, I don't pay them a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, so why would I spend good money training Susie when, you know, she might only be with me for six months? So they all with Susie. But, but it doesn't matter whether it was 1979 when I first started on customer service or today. Companies are addicted to marketing and advertising, and they have unlimited marketing budgets. So very few companies understand why it's important to keep customers and to get them to come back and to spend more money with you. Yeah, so it sounds like it's just reprioritizing that you've got to get them to see. And this goes back to the old argument, do you want to acquire or do you want to retain? And most companies, it's a lot cheaper to retain customers. And yet they only think about getting new ones and doing all the marketing, like you said. Well, I want to go back to what you said, too, about the, the CEO training Susie and then Susie leaving. I had a very... I will say probably one of the best managers I ever worked for. And he told me that he always tried to hire people that were smarter than him and made him look good. And that way he could promote them and then he could move ahead. So does that fit into your model? Of, of Very moving? smart guy. Very smart. You're so right. you would agree with that. That's you, great. Yeah. You got to develop and build people. And uh, whether they can be working with you for three months or a year or four Four years, uh, people are your asset, and mm -hmm. we pay all this money and salaries to people. And most people are not working on eight cylinders. Some of them are working in five. Some of them are six. Some of them are four. Well, if you could get people, everybody in your workforce to work with another couple cylinders, they get a lot more accomplished. Yeah, and I just heard I interviewed a fellow last season. Gene Pease wrote a book called Human Capital Analytics, which talks about being able to actually measure the ROI of developing people. And he said 70% of the cost now of a company is their employees. And it makes sense because with technology, people have to be much more highly trained. So I would argue that that manager, after he develops Susie, should pay her more because he, she's a much more valuable asset. And you mentioned, too, about the janitor or thinking about why would they want to develop the janitor. I remember a fellow, Robert Krieger, years ago 
spoke at a conference. He wrote a book called Sacred Cows Make the Best Burgers. And he was hired to go into companies and find places where they were wasting money. And Taco Bell hired him. This is what he shared. Taco Bell hired him because they were really struggling and they needed some ideas. So he would take walks every Friday morning with a group of employees, maybe five or six. And he took every, eventually he took almost everybody in the company because he was there for quite a while. And it was a cleaning woman that suggested that they make a, a taco pizza. And that was actually their new idea. It came from the cleaning woman. So you just never know. And I think you, what you say is so true that it pays to develop people because you just don't know where those innovative ideas are going to come from. The, the second thing, Olivia, uh, many of the listeners are individuals, not owners of companies. Mm-hmm. And if you want to move up, you want to be more successful, you have to spend time and money building yourself. So that kind of leads into your book. So just um, in general, what do you mean by moving up or what is moving up? Well, I think that uh, most of us kind of sit back and we're kind of content and we complain maybe because we don't have enough money to cover the bills and, you know, but many of us are not, not achieving what we're capable of doing. We're only using a very fraction of our talent. So the purpose of moving up is, is several fold. Number one, to get people to realize that they're only using a small talent of their ability, to dream, to visualize, to see themselves as they can be, to want more, to want more money, to have more of the good things in life. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, how do I do that? And so first, I got to remove the self-imposed limitations that says, you know, I'm too young. There's no way it's going to happen. I'm too old. I'm black. I'm yellow. I'm white. I'm, you know. We've got all these stupid limitations that prevent us from accomplishing. So first, we've got to remove the limitations so we can believe and dream and see ourselves as we can. And then, and then the book teaches you how to do that. And one of the tools that I talk about is that we have to have very clearly defined goals in all areas of our life. I'm talking about physical, mental, social, financial, family, uh, spiritual. So if, if you don't have good ethics, you know, you're probably not going to move up. If you uh, don't control your physical appearance, it's going to have all sorts of limitations. If you're working at a pizza shop, you know, it might not really matter. But how you dress and how you look is going to have a lot of influence on where you go. And if can we, I just say that even ahead. if you do work in a pizza shop, if you give somebody great customer service, they might really like you. And if you look sharp, let's say, they might say, hey, I want you to come work for me, right? So it's you never know. People make uh, fast impressions. They look at you and they make a judgment decision. So let's say that every listener wanted to increase their income by 25%, which is not unrealistic at all. It's very it's not that complicated. Uh, how are you going to do that? So what I teach people, and that's the purpose of the book, is how do you move up in your organization? And what are the steps you've got to do to move up? Now, let's say that you're working in a company and there's 100 people. Uh, I believe that probably two-thirds of the employees just show up. No extra effort. What you want to be is the individual that is exceptional, the individual that, that, that stands out, that is extraordinary that becomes indispensable and then everybody's dependent upon you that's how you make more money right right and that may even mean 
offering to do something that you aren't asked to do or talking to people in other departments just well, to find all out what the they time do. you want to volunteer you want to say hey let me do this see most of us you know if we start at eight and we quit at five we're there at, at one minute to eight and, and at five o'clock you could get run over with the stampede as everybody leaves yeah yeah <laughs> a person says you know i really want to increase my income 25 percent yeah you know, how do i do well what happens if you come in a half hour earlier and you leave a half hour later what happens if you raise your hand uh, to the executives and say, hey, can I take on that project? You know, yep. what happens? see, you get paid not for dreaming, you get paid for results. And, and it's easy to stand out because there's very few people wanting to stand out. Most people just want to hang in. They, you know, the, the peer pressure is so strong. strong. And you, you know what? If you want to be in poverty like everybody else, that's fine. Or you decide that you want to have a greater wealth. Maybe you want more money for your family. Maybe you want to put your kids through college. Maybe you want to take a vacation to Miami or to Paris. Maybe you want a better car. Maybe you want a bigger house. All that takes a little bit of money. How are you going to do that? So what you're sounds like what you're saying is some people actually – limit themselves because they don't even think it's possible and so they don't even dare to dream is kind of and if you don't think it's possible you're correct yeah exactly it's like what that is the first limitation is it will never happen if you don't think it's possible right <laughs> well great so we're I'm, one of the things i talk about in the book is that moving up is that you need to read a book on personal development at least once a month you need to massage your mind. I don't care whose book it is. I got a whole bunch of books on customer service and leadership. Uh, but we, you you want to massage your mind. You should see the stack next to my, my bed. It's over a foot tall of books. I mean, I, I buy books and then I, I my goal is to read one book a month. Oh, personal development, personal growth. I've been doing that since I was like 1972 or 1973. Wow, that's amazing. You think that way. It becomes part of your life because you're constantly feeding that mind. You're nurturing your mind. Yes, yes. Well, great. So we're just up on a break. Um, and so I think this is a good time because when I come back, I want to know a little bit more about perhaps some of the techniques you've used and the steps necessary for moving up. So great. Stay tuned. My guest is John Scholl, and his website is customer-service.com, and we'll be back in a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be? Or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. 
Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia, and before the break, my guest is John Scholl, and we're talking about his new book, Moving Up, a step-by-step guide to creating your success. And one of the things that we were talking about was how through his work with customer service, he was actually developing customer service agents to love their customers and they ended up actually getting a lot healthier themselves. And so he's been passionate about personal growth. John, you shared about all the books beside your bed and I'm kind of the same way. I started out in the 70s doing the EST training, which now I think is known as Landmark, changed my life and got me into that idea that what I thought about was really important for what I could create in my life. So what I'd like to talk about now are what are some of the steps necessary to moving up? If, if things that we maybe haven't covered or do you have a, a specific well, structure? Let me give you that five you would... or six things that, that everybody should do. Number one, have clearly defined written goals. This is now January. Your game plan for 2014 should all be in writing. Your goals need to be concrete, specific. They have to be written. They have to be measurable. You have to target dates. So don't have a goal that says, I want to lose weight. That's a crummy goal. If you have a goal that says, I weigh 184 pounds and I want to lose uh, 10 pounds to get to 174, that's a very concrete, very specific, very measurable goal. Uh, all areas of your life, as I said, physical, mental, spiritual, financial, family. So let's say that you have a goal to make a lot of money and you get divorced where you lose all your money. Or you don't take care of your body and you're, you become you know, really overweight, well, you're going to die. You're going to lose you know, 10 years off of your life, and you're probably not going to get promoted as fast. So number one, you get to have written very clearly to find goals, and the book teaches people how to do that. Number two, you've got to use visualizations. A visualization is, let's say there's a, a vacation you want to go. Do you want to go to Paris? Well, go to your travel agency or go to the Internet and download all these pictures of Paris and look at them every day you'll end up going to Paris because it's called a visualization. Or maybe there's a, a car you want, and you go to the car dealership, and you sit in the car, and you have somebody take a picture with your iPhone or your smartphone, and uh, you know, sitting in the car, standing next to the car. Look at that picture every day. Get some brochures of the, of the car. Paste them on your refrigerator, on your computer, where you look at them every day. That's visualizations. Uh, I was sharing with Olivia the other day some of my... Uh, physical goals, and I have uh, visualizations and photographs of men with uh, really great abs. I would love to have great abs, okay? <laughs> uh, that's a visualization. The 
third thing you need to have is you got to use affirmations. And when I first started, when I was like 22 years old, I was starving to death in this business and not making any money. And I had to, I was selling development programs on leadership and motivation and goal setting and self-image to people that were 30 years older than I was for a lot of money. And they'd look at me at this young kid at 21 years old, 22, and they'd say, what the hell do you know? And so I had to use the affirmations to build myself up. So affirmations is, I love my job. I love selling. I love leadership. I love management. Uh, I love customer service. I love all my customers. I look great. I've just lost 10 pounds. These are all affirmations. And don't put 10 affirmations on one little 3 by 5 card. Go to the retail store, get a, a hundred three by 5 cards, and then put one affirmation on each card, and then look at them every single day. Those are affirmations. See, what you're doing is, Olivia, you're manipulating your mind. Your mm-hmm. mind, we get programmed. We watch TV. We watch. We listen to our friends. Oh, my God, you're never going to be successful. What would you do? Listen to this Olivia show? I mean, you're crazy. This John Shaw, he's nuts, you know? <laughs> we we get programmed by all these negative experiences, so you got to discipline yourself because you want to be different you want to stand out you want to you're the one that wants to make more money you're the one that wants to move up so affirmations are and visualizations are part of of reaching your goals and becoming more because we're sitting back and thinking hey this is not going to happen can i just make a, a interesting comment because of what you said i actually don't let myself see violence like if I go to a movie I try to avoid violent movies but if I do and then something or I'm surprised by something I'll cover my eyes because I feel like that's gonna perhaps go into my subconscious and I think what you're talking about here is affirmations can rewire our brains and our and and change the subconscious messages that we tell ourselves correct your mind does not know the difference between fact or fiction so right. you want to be the one that is uh, disciplining yourself to forcing yourself to believe the way you want to be. And uh, one of the other steps we got is who do we hang out with? Mm. So if you hang out with a bunch of people that are not successful, you're going to think like them. When I grew up, uh, you know, after you know I got out of college and even in college, uh, most of the people I hang out with were 20 years older than I was and dramatically more successful than me. Hmm. Uh, I've always associated with people that are more successful than me. I mean, some of the people I interface with right now that I work with are 100 times more successful than me. Hmm. And I get jealous. You know, I, you know they're, they're smarter, they're faster than I am. But I, it doesn't allow me to to let you know, grass grow underneath my feet because I'm associating and always have been with successful people. So one of the difficulties is that sometimes we hang out with other people that are our age, our income group, and they say, you know, you're too young. Now, this is a big company. It's never going to happen here, man. You're just going to have to fit in. you mm. you got to write your game plan and then work the game plan. And so... Start to identify people that are successful, that are on the move, and start mm-hmm. associating with them. And there's going to be some friends that we all have that we need to forget about. They're negative. 
when a person gets done reading Moving Up, I wouldn't be surprised if they went and told five of their friends what their dreams are, what they're going to do. You know, I'll bet that the vast majority of friends would say, you're crazy. It's never well, going to happen. What did you do, and, read some stupid book from this John Shore guy? <laughs> um, you know, can I just say, too, yeah. that I my pushback was from my family. So when I started to actually set goals for myself and improve myself and think big, I would sort of share it, right, like you said. And I did start to attract friends. And one of the reasons I was better at it was because I had attracted friends that supported me, most of them. But when I would tell this stuff to my family, they would uh, almost scoff at me. And I, it, was, it was hurtful when it happened. But then I read something by Marianne Williamson, a quote that says, it's our darkness, it's our light, not our darkness that frightens us. And that who are we to not let our light shine so that others, we give other people permission to shine. I've kind of messed it up, but that's the gist of it. And uh, I encourage anybody to Google it. It's a great quote, often attributed to Nelson Mandela, but it's Marianne Williamson. And after reading that, I thought, okay, I'm just going to live a good life. And then if they care to find out how I did it, they can ask me, but I'm not going to brag or, or, or share my dreams with my family. And it's actually been now 10, 15 years, they're more open and asking. But it, it, you're right, it can sort of filter who your real friends are at the, at the time you take, make that choice. See, if you, if you have really ambitious goals and dreams and you're hanging out with successful people, they're all going to support you. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, hey, Olivia, that's easy for you. No problem. You'll be able to do that. But if you're hanging around with people that, that, that are your income stratus, you know, that are not on the move, they're going to say, you know, it's never going to happen. Man, you're the wrong color. You're way too old. Uh, <laughs> they're going to program your mind. And it could be a relative. It could be a, a good friend. It could be somebody at your job. Don't share your dreams with, uh, you got to be very careful of where you work. Uh, in your business, there are where everybody works. There are some very successful people that are on the move. Those should be the ones that you're interfacing with, that you hang out with, that you spend more time with, that you ask questions, and kind of watch what they do as well. I think, right? What like, they do and what they don't do. Uh, one of the best ways to learn leadership is watch what some of the things are that people do that really piss you off, that that are really dumb, <laughs> and make sure you don't do them. And then Good take a look point. at some of the things that uh, people do that are awesome. One of the people I had a chance to work with was Congressman Bill Frenzel. I was his finance director for about 16 years when he was uh, in Congress. I worked for free, uh, but he was probably the most effective listener I'd ever seen and a very humble individual. Wow. So, you know, I have goals to become humble, to listen more. Not easy. It is not easy. All these goals are nice, but it's not easy. Yeah. But these are leadership characteristics. Right. Yeah, I, I think listening is a really important skill. And not just to be quiet, but to actually not be thinking of a response, right? To be really, really taking in what the person is saying and um, trusting that if you have something important to respond, it'll be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a great point. So are those the the tips for... Um, well, the... the- uh, the other thing I would, and we kind of alluded to it, is that volunteer for new projects. Step up. Mm, yeah. Uh, always be the first to volunteer. Now, we're 
See, we have a, some of us have a philosophy that says when you pay me more money, I'll work harder. Oh. That's a bunch of crap. You know, if you <laughs> want to make more money, work harder now, deliver more so that you can move up. So, so what would you say to out. someone that says, I want to volunteer, but I'm afraid I'll fail? So what? Mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing is, be honest. If you fail, just say, look at it, I tried it, it didn't work, and it's my fault. Or yeah. y- y- don't lie. We, one of the things that turns me off with people is when they lie. I make oh. mistakes every day. I will, you know, but you've got to try. Yeah. Uh, Jack Welch, when he ran GE, General Electric, said that 50% of the acquisitions we make aren't going to work. Wow. So that's expensive. And yeah, they were talking billions of dollars are, there. <laughs> some, some companies are very risk averse. And what I think what you're saying is that even in, from a leadership standpoint is that companies that will tolerate some failure are going to actually do better in the end because if you're not taking risks, you're really not moving. So now You don't want to do the same dumb thing all the time. You want to get smarter and smarter. Yeah, learn from it. Learn from it. The other I, thing I also, that in terms oh, of moving up is that what are you going to do to improve your performance in the company in terms of, of product now? It's just one of the things I taught in the Feelings Customer Service Program. Do you know more about your company than anybody else? Mm. If, if I worked in any or anybody's working right now, I bet I could move up very, very fast. I don't care what business it is. I would learn more about the product and service than anybody else. I would come in earlier. I'd leave later. I'd volunteer for all these new tasks and projects. Uh, it would be so easy to move up. You see, that most people are just standing still, Olivia. They're just kind of sitting back and it's kind of pure, pure pressure, you know, and you don't want to stand out. Well, Think about your family. Where do you really want to be? And I think when you were talking about the visualizations, so this is just maybe a mental visualization, is to be able to picture yourself in that job you want, right? Exactly. um, One of the things, let's say there's a job that you want in the company, go get a picture of yourself sitting at the desk or standing by the door. Yeah. Now, with that picture, when you develop it, Put it at home. Don't put it at the office. That would get some internal jealousy at the company going. <laughs> well, and you reminded me of something. I actually did this years ago because I realized that I had some self-limiting financial issues. And so I remember somebody suggesting, and I went onto a website. I think it's called $1milliondollarbill.com or billiondollarbill.com or something. And I bought 50 of these million-dollar bills. And then I just taped them around my house so that, they would trick my mind into thinking, well, yeah, of course, a million dollars is nothing. And so it, it allowed me to start earning more money. It was amazing. And I would give them out as tips to people, you know, along with real tips, just to see their faces. But it was really fun. And I said, keep this in your wallet, and it'll build your, uh, I guess, psychic ability, perhaps, to attract money. I really think it works that way. See, to be successful, one of the things we've got to do is build ourselves. And the the major thing is what's between our two ears. So many people will spend a lot of money on their face, you know, for cosmetic stuff, for hairspray and shaving cream. And, you know, women spend a lot more than men, of course. Uh, But what are we doing between the two ears to build our mind? That is the asset. And you could go to any educational system for the rest of your life, and they're going to teach you academia stuff. So what you want to do is read... Learn to re- go to seminars by uh, by successful speakers. 
that are not academian types. Uh, read mm-hmm. books. And, and not every book is going to be awesome. Some of the books you're going to read might suck. You're only looking for a few ideas from every book. Some are better than others. I grade every book I read, A, B, and a C, and I'll go a C plus and A minus. Oh, interesting. That'd be a good list to share if you were ever wanting to. Um... You know, if, if people could see my office, I got hundreds of books behind me. They're stacked up all over the place. If you were at home, you'd see hundreds of books. I read all, I've read all these. Wow. That's great. So it sounds like, you know how they say if you had one mar- marketing dollar to spend, where would you put it? I would say if you had one uh, dollar or, or amount of time or combination to spend, rather than learning a subject, it would make more sense to read a personal development group that, or book. It, that seems like the thing. That would make that sense, holds. something to build your mind. We've got to start, start. See, we associate with people our age and, and the environment that we grew up with. And even really successful people, they got the same problem. They might hang out with other people and they think they're really hot when they're only doing a fraction of what they could do. Interesting. Huh. Well, and I remember one time reading that we only use 10% of our brain. I don't know if that's accurate anymore. Probably 2%. <laughs> but I, I had a friend who was an artist and he had these gorgeous works of art for about $3,000. And I joked about the reason I went to graduate school was because I felt like if I was only, let's say, using 5% of my brain or 2%, I could probably eke out another 1% or 2% and get through graduate school. And then I'd be able to afford to buy one of his paintings. I have yet to, to do that. But it was that motivation. And I just realized it's kind of what you are talking about is setting a goal. And it led me to on a path that uh, really allowed me to benefit in many ways. I still have to buy the art, but otherwise I'm, um, I use that as a visualization. So that's really interesting. Well, we're just about up on a break. And so why don't we do the break? And when we come back, we can talk some more about these steps and suggestions you have for Great. moving up. So my guest today is John Scholl. His website is customer-service.com. And we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia, and I'm with my guest today, John Scholl. And his name is spelled a little bit differently than it sounds. So if you want to look it up, it's T-S-C-H-O-H-L. So before the break, we were talking about some of the steps to moving up, like clearly defined goals and visualizing what you want and using affirmations and hanging out with the right people and taking steps to improve ourselves. And so what I'd like to talk about now is how does how do we overcome these feelings of self-doubt or fear or scarcity that can kind of almost unconsciously affect our actions? And how would moving up help us to overcome these self-imposed limitations? Uh, Olivia, that's probably one of the most important obstacles we gotta we got to have because whatever we believe is going to happen. Got you. So we have to change our mind. We have to convince ourselves first. So I'm going to give you, and I talk about it in the book, you know, four or five things, some of which we've already talked about. Number one is I would encourage people to read a book on personal development every month for the rest of your life. You know, take one hour less TV time a day. Spend it on your mind. Uh, You want to massage your mind. You want to attend seminars. Anything that's on personal development that's getting people to believe on leadership, on management, on sales, on customer service. Second thing is, is start to create a business plan, a game plan in writing for yourself. Have clearly defined goals. I'm going to say that the, the, you know probably 90% of people have no goals. And having mm-hmm. a goal that's verbal in your mind that says, I'd like to get healthier, is a bunch of baloney. It's, it's a is, worthless goal. So let you, me just say, too, that it's important to state it in the positive, right? So you wouldn't want to say, to my goal is to not be fat. Okay, so that was so good, you, yeah. you, you, you know, my... You know, one of my number one goals, my most difficult goal, by the way, is to lose weight. So my goal is to get to 173 pounds, right? Today I weighed myself and I was 182.6 pounds. I'm on a close. Uh, I'm six foot tall. So I'm not, you know, obese or anything like that. But trying to get to 173 is really, really rough, okay? So I got affirmations, I got visualizations, I got goals built all over. The single most complicated goal for me. I love food. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and why is that important to me? I first find it to be I'll live longer yeah. if I'm healthier. Number two, you know, I'm kind of a celebrity personality type of thing, and how I physically look has a lot of influence. So if I'm fat or you know, don't dress well, it's going to have an impact. So it's physically how you look has a huge impact. I remember years ago I hired a a dress consultant, and she said, do you want to look like a $1,000 speaker or a $10,000 speaker? And I said, well, a $10,000 speaker, and she changed all my clothes. Wow. Um, (laughs) I want to hire that person. (laughs) That's fascinating. So you've got to have these goals, but they've got to be very concrete and specific. So if you have a, a financial goal, like I have a, I invest $2,500 a year in each grandchild. I'm putting them through college. And that's a written goal financially. That's a family goal, okay? 
Uh, I don't trust my daughter. She's a missionary. You know, she might not have the money to put them through college, so I'm going to put them through college. Uh, so your goals got to be concrete. They got to be very specific. You got to have target dates. Hazy goals produce hazy results. So if you have a goal that says I'd like to increase my income, that's a dumb goal. Now, if you had a goal that says I'd like to increase my income a hundred dollars a month starting March one, that's a really concrete, solid goal. But don't give me a goal that says I want to increase my income. So you got to have target dates. They got to be specific, and they got to be in writing. Now, here's the other thing: is you got to look at them all the time. So a lot of people set goals in January, and they and they look at them the next year, and they say, "Well, in fact, where are they?" Okay. No, this is a a game plan. You want to look at it all the time, and then, you know, we talked about. Let's say that you have a. I have the goal for weight. I'll just relate it to weight. So I have all these visualizations about losing weight, and I have all sorts of affirmations on weight. Because uh, it's, it's it's a very difficult thing for me, but I'd really love to have really great abs. I'd like to be 173 pounds. That would be an incredible goal. Uh, and then, who do we associate with? Who are we hanging out with? I'll bet many people listening are hanging out with people that are just average. Well, mm-hmm. man, if you want to be above average, you got to start thinking like other people. You got to. Be with people that are on the move, and they could be in your company. They could be in other companies. They could be 20 years older. Now, one of the things that I've done, my, one of my financial advisors, he died uh, probably about three years ago now. His name was Don Charleston. He died, I think he was about 86 years old. He was, uh, uh, you know, usually about 20 years older than, than I have. And I've known him for years. Now, one of the reasons I got along with him is because I listened to him, and I asked questions, and then I implemented his ideas. And he was a uh, he had a million dollars invested in utility stocks, and he would coach me every time I had an extra ten or twenty grand. I'd say, Don, how do I invest this? And he'd tell me, and then I'd actually follow through and do what he told me to do. And and uh, uh, so listen to these people that you're that you that you want to to mentor you. If you actually listen to them and use their ideas, they'll give you more ideas, and then. Uh, again, as I said, you want to massage your mind and pick up books on, on self-development. Uh, the book The Secret is a great book. I've read The Secret 15, 20 times. I don't read a book just once. And see, I underline a book, I highlight it, so I could go through a book again in 10 minutes and read the whole book. Wow. So in, in what you're trying to do is to stand out. See, the pressure in companies... and. Some of the listeners probably are working in bigger companies. The pressure to be conform is so strong. Mm-hmm. You don't want to conform. You want to be different. You want to be the best of the best. You want to be indispensable and you want to be extraordinary. Your goal should be to move up faster than anybody else in the company, to make more money than any of your friends, to make more money than anybody in your family. And then if you make more money, you can do all the good things in your life. I take a vacation every month and have for the last 30 years. Wow. I'm able to enjoy life. So let me go back to to your comment about the um, moving up or or trying to stand out. So what if somebody really does that and then nothing happens? What would you recommend they do? Move companies. Okay. That was what I thought. Yeah. So let's say that that, uh, I'm an employee and I'm way down the line. You know, go see the president of the company and say, look, I'm 22 years old and, you know, I've been working here now a year. And I've got a, a wife, and I've got, uh, 
you know, one child, and I really want to become, in this company, more successful. I want to move up. What are the three or four things that I could do that would make me more valuable to you and your company? Shut up and listen and then take notes. And then start doing what they told you to do. Interesting. And then maybe six months later you come back and said, uh, you know, Joe, I, I listened to what you did. This is what I've done. Give me, can you give me, Joe, three more things I need to do that will help me be more successful in this company? Interesting. So these people will help you. They would, they would be died and gone to heaven if they had a ton of employees that all wanted to move up. They would yeah. love it. And I think everybody loves to have someone ask them their wisdom, right? So that you'd be almost flattering them and benefiting from it, would you say? Absolutely. But they'll keep giving you information if you implement what they told you to do. And then if you give them the feedback and say, Joe, uh, three months ago you and I met and you told me to do these three things. And I've done them. I really want to appreciate and thank you for your advice. Joe, can you give me three more things I can do. Right. He'd be Very. he'd be shocked. He'd say, "Yeah, that's how you get people to mentor you." Right. Interesting. And some of the better companies even have formal mentorship programs. But you make it sound so easy you don't to need just a do one. on you your own. Just pick out the people that you admire, mm-hmm. that you want to, or the positions you want, and. You know, you can jump two, three jumps, four, five, six steps ahead of where you are right now. Don't just hang on to your... Most, many supervisors in companies, first-line supervisors, are extremely bad at supervision and leadership. Mm-hmm. So that's the wrong yeah. person to ask for advice. They're afraid <laughs> you're going to take their job. Right. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, so let me just make sure people know you can find your book on Amazon, right? And it's also available. Where would you su- suggest people go to find well, this there's book? there's several approaches. They can go to Amazon. They can go to uh, customer-service.com, our website mm-hmm. at Service Quality Institute. Uh-huh. They can uh, go to their local bookstore and order the book. Okay, great, great. And um, I, I just... We have a few minutes left. I'd love to have you talk a little bit about the self-assessment worksheet. So one of the things I like about this book is it doesn't just tell you what to do, but it helps you gauge where you need improvement. And so can you just talk a little bit about your self-assessment worksheet? Sure, the worksheet? purpose of it is to get people to take a look at where they are, to say, okay, what do I need to change and what do I need to improve in order to become more successful? And sometimes, uh, you know, we really don't do that. That's on uh, starting on page 75 in the book. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a self-performance workshop, and it gets you to take, evaluate where you are and what you need in order to improve. And then it gives you some rankings in terms of where you are. And a lot of it is related to uh, customer service because, you know, that's my expertise is how do I get everybody customer-driven. But it talks about how to handle stress, the quality of performance. Create a game plan. Work the game plan. Take a look at where you are and be honest as you go through that assessment. And then work to develop your skills. And here's another comment. Do never wait for the company to invest money in you. Uh-huh. Spend a little of your money every month building yourself. 
working on yeah. your mind, improving your skills. So if I was a, a receptionist, you know, what could I do to become the best receptionist in the history of that organization? Everybody's going to see it. You're going to get more job offers and you're going to get more opportunities. People that stand out, people that are indispensable, people that are extraordinary, Olivia, all move up. And when you move up, you always make more money. (laughs) That's true. Well, so I won't go through the whole assessment, but I really love the first assess. The first part of it is attitude. And you have three choices. Uh, One is aloof, uneasy, pessimistic. The second one is helpful, but not proficient. And the third one is positive, helpful, confident, and fast. So, of course, we're striving for the third one. But when I read it, it reminded me of some just common phrases. And I'd love to get your take on this. You know how people will say something like, oh, everything's been going really well, so something's got to go wrong today. Have you heard this? See, whatever you think about will happen. Yeah. So if you say something's going to go wrong today, it is. So what you're saying is they're really creating it by expecting it, even though maybe that's been their past experience, but but it's really arguable that that's why things have gone wrong, because that's their belief. Is that what you're saying? So it's a little bit like losing weight. I'm, you know, I, I can't lose weight. Well, you're right. I can't lose weight. Whatever you believe is going to happen. You have to convince your mind. And then who you hang out with is very important because if, if, if you hang out with people that are, that are just going to say, this is a bunch of crap. I mean, we listen to our friends and our family. Right. So you want to start associating with people on the move. Where do you really want to be? Well, that just sounds like such an important piece. So we have about a minute left. Do you have any final thoughts or words of advice or maybe just something to really motivate people to get your book and and go out there and move up? Well, I think this is 2014 is a great year. And if you want to personally make more money, so you have more money for your family, you have more money for vacations, you have more money for a bigger house, a bigger car, uh, Moving up will help you move in that direction. It's not going to show you financial investments of what to invest in, but it's going to show you how to earn more money because you are more successful, because you're using the God-given ability that you have between your two ears. And I think every single listener is only accomplishing a tiny fraction of what they're capable of doing. Wow, that's so inspiring. So, John, thank you again so much for being my guest today. I hope you'll come back and visit us again. I'd love to. Thank you very much, Olivia. You're welcome. So next week, my guest will be Judy Neal, and I'm so excited. Judy just retired as director of the Tyson Center for Faith and Spirituality in the Workplace at Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas, She received her Ph.D. from Yale University, and I met her many years ago through the International Center for Spirit at Work, which she founded. We'll be discussing her amazing book, Edgewalkers, People and Organizations that Take Risks, Build Bridges, and Break New Ground, so you won't want to miss this show. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud. See you next week. Thank you, everybody. Thanks.
Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. We'll be right back.